Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, I am joined by ultra runner Charlotte Clark. And her aim is simple, to encourage others to get active no matter what obstacles they have had to overcome. And for Charlotte, this was having two heart operations, but this has also not stopped her from going on to show what the human body can really do. As an ex-professional dancer and personal trainer, Charlotte has always found the joy in movement and is an advocate for others finding this joy in movement, however that may look for them. And in this first episode of season six, which we either welcome you to or welcome you back to, Charlotte talks through her two heart surgeries, her battles with mental health, the foundations of her love for ultra running and offers her advice on how you can stay safe when running outdoors. This really was a great conversation with someone who I actually used to work with. So Charlotte's an old colleague and one day I walked into the office that I'm currently working in and I saw women's running magazines on the side on someone's desk and on the front cover was Charlotte and at that point I thought okay I need to get Charlotte on the podcast and catch up and talk about all of her amazing and interesting experiences which we'll get into very shortly. But just before we do we are very thankful and happy to have two amazing sponsors on this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. Whether you're a first-time walker or you're aiming to break the course record, Threshold Sports wants everyone to be able to experience the unforgettable feeling of completing a 100-kilometre trail race. Come and join their fun and supportive community in 2023 and take part in the 10-year anniversary of Race to the Stones or the iconic Deluxe Race to the King. You can find out more about Threshold and sign up to one of their amazing events by heading to www.thresholdtrailseries.com. Also, thank you to Contour Performance, which is a community-driven online strength and conditioning coaching service for the everyday athlete. Whether you're seeking for strength or speed, no goal is off limits. Their mission is simple, to make strength and conditioning accessible to athletes of all abilities. Contour pride themselves on inclusivity, team spirit and self-development. Using intuitive app-based programming, their athletes have a variety of training pathways on hand to suit time availability, environment and goal with a host of supporting features. Trial Run Contour services for one month with promo code RUNFREE and you can head to their Instagram to make the most of this deal at at Contour Performance. That's at Contour Performance. And with that, let's get straight into this episode with Charlotte. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast. Today, I'm very happy to be joined by Charlotte Clark. Charlotte, hello. How are you doing? Hey, Dom. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm going to start this podcast with a staple piece on the Outside and Active podcast. And it's a piece of advice that a previous podcast guest on the ONA podcast is leaving for a future guest and they don't know who they're leaving it for. But uh, luckily today you have a piece of advice from one of the happiest men I've ever met and voted one of the happiest men in the UK. Um, It's Danny Bent, who is an amazing runner, does lots of challenges, raising awareness for sustainability and environmental issues. And his piece of advice for you is to be you as hard as you can be, because that is the best version of you. So my question to lead on from that, Charlotte, is what do you think is the best version of you? Oh, I love this. That was such a great piece of advice. My best version of me is when I'm doing the things that essentially my non-negotiables that end up slipping and as long as I'm taking those moments for myself whether that be out in the outdoors I find if I'm cooped up we do not get the best version of me um so if I go out and spend time in the outdoors and really do make sure I get those non-negotiables in then taking care of myself helps make me a better person for everyone around me so it's really hard especially if you're really really busy to let things slip and then you realise that you're not actually feeling your best, so you're not giving your best to yourself or to other people. Amazing. So then leading on from that, a similar sort Mm. of question, answer, what do you love about being outside and active? The freedom, I think. So I work in um, tech and digital fitness and just the feeling of being outdoors and like my chosen activities are like hiking and trail running. And so it's particularly being outside in like beautiful locations and kind of making everything an adventure. So it's 
and like without any expectation that if you say like you know adventure can start at your doorstep so you're going out with with no expectations but other than to go out and have a good time it's that mental headspace it's the sense of just freedom the fresh air and the the clarity you get from it um i don't think that can be that can be replicated in any other way than actually just being outside and active before we jump into your story and 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 what you do now let's start with who you are your background Mm. in kind of physical activity and then how you've got to where you are now so where did it all start when did being active sport kind of come into your life how long have you got? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I've always been active in different, you know, ways. But I started dancing when I was about three years old. Um, and then like my dad's always been really, really active and sporty. So we used to go running together when I was younger. And I was always that girl at school, probably one of the only ones where I'd be begging to be able to do more things on sports day. <laughs> So I'd be maxed out on all track and field. Um, and like one of the ones really loving cross country in the rain and all the other girls are inside, like, what are we being made to do? So I've always been active. I've done various things, landed in the world of bodybuilding, competing at one point. Um, but there's not been, I don't think, a single like period in my life that hasn't included fitness exercise in some kind of capacity. You would have been the dream student for me organizing sports day because whenever I try to ask people at school okay sports day is coming up I know no one wants to do it and it's going to be you know like you said wet cold let's just spread it across so someone do hurdles someone do shot put let's just spread it out and no one would put their arm up so it would be the same eight people doing about 13 14 15 different events so it's good to hear that there were our people that were putting their hand up to go and do stuff in the rain especially the running um <laughs> uh, it's interesting how would you define yourself now would you define yourself as being a just someone that loves to be outside an adventurer or is trail running the main thing that you like to do oh that's that's interesting i would call myself an ultra runner and that's what you know, it's in my Instagram bio and all that. <laughs> but I think in my heart, it's adventure. So if I if I had to fit into a niche, it would be ultra running because that's the thing I choose to go in, like compete in and like pursue events wise. But just within my training set, though, I have to factor in hikes and just being out outdoors with my dog and everything. So and I found myself, I was supposed to be going to Snowdonia this weekend, but the rain <laughs> looks like it's going to get in the way of that. But I had this like deep down feeling that I just need to go on an adventure this weekend. And I don't think I wake up and go, I need to do an ultra this weekend. So I'd probably say at heart, I'd call myself, you know, an adventurer. Does yeah. your social life revolve around your activity or does your activity revolve around your social life or are they the same thing? <laughs> I think I've curated a circle <laughs> of people that like being outdoors. So um, I actually met up with a friend that I'd met through Instagram like four years ago, but we'd never actually like met in person. We bumped into each other accidentally when I was on a hike before once, but we'd never actually met up before until a couple of weeks ago and we did we did that over a hike <laughs> if i go and see my friends like it's a oh should we go and do this like running festival shall we should we go wild camp on this like cliff face and stuff like that so it i've, I've managed to somewhat <laughs> entangle it all so that every all of the boxes are ticked and i'm always intrigued to know especially with ultra runners because when you get into running it's very, very rare that people go straight to ultra running. It's usually the 5K park run or, you know, walking running or running with friends or a club or something like that. And eventually it builds up. What is it about ultra running for you that drew you to it? When did it happen and why do you love it so much? (laughs) So when I entered my first ultra, I didn't do it with the intention of I'm going to become an ultra runner. I'm very much an all or nothing person and I had decided that I wanted to raise some money for the British Heart Foundation 
having had, I'm sure we'll probably get to this, having oh, yeah. had two heart surgeries like myself. And so I was like, do you know what? I'll raise some money. And at the time, I wasn't actually like training much at all, but I knew being an all or nothing person in in my head, I was like, if I don't do something big enough, I won't gain the traction for fundraising. Most people will pick a marathon to go and do for their fundraising thing. I was like, mm, most people do that. I can't pick a half marathon. I can't pick a marathon. It's going to have to be an ultra. And I just, I went big. And before I booked that, the longest like consecutive like distance of a run that I'd done as a single stint had been 12K. So I hadn't even made it up to a half marathon. Wow. And I went, if I want to raise a lot of money, there's got to be a story and... I've, I've got to go big. And so I'd only started running again after like a 10 year break at the end of the, like, we're talking like December, like end of 2019 and just as an activity to do with my dog. And in February, 2020 is when I entered the ultra and I did it nine months later. Wow. What event was it? It was, well, it was supposed to be the ultra challenges Thames Path Challenge, um, but you know, due to COVID, it got cancelled. So on the date that it was supposed to be, I just ran it around my local area, um, just did it virtually. And fortunately for me, like part of the route, so I lived in Chertsey in Surrey at the time, part of the route that I was supposed to run the race on actually did go past my flat. And so I did like the first half marathon of the ultra as an out and back along the path that I should have been like running on. Um, so I ran from like Chertsey through to Egham, I think on the Thames path and then turned back and came back and then just carried on around my local area. I was like, I've said I'm doing it this day, so I'm doing it. <laughs> and I presume it went well. How was the emotion when you finished? Very, it was very emotional. So I'd got a couple of friends who had jumped into like little sections here and there. Um, my boyfriend had done 10K maybe with me as well. I think it was 10K. And my like some of my family and stuff had come in, come down because it was when you were allowed to like start meeting outdoors again. So like we lived by the river, so they were on the bank and stuff. And so I'd managed to do it so that my flat was my base. So I didn't have to carry tons of stuff. I could come back, refill bottles. I could grab stuff. Um, and then on my last loop, the last loop was like a 10K. And while I was doing that, they were like pitching all their banners and everything. And they'd got like this like flag at the end that said like, Charlotte's Ultramarathon, like 50K complete. Blah, blah, blah. And then they were all like cheering me. I had neighbours in the flats all like on their balconies and everything. And I'd finished the 50K just actually down the road. <laughs> and then we just like, me and my two friends were just like walking a bit. And we were like... <laughs> I can't walk in. Like I, I've got to run in. Yeah. And so like we got into like by the flats and then I had to like hobble into a run to then run again back into the thing and to see all my family like just cheering and stuff and so proud. Like that, that was just so lovely. And that kind of started your journey into ultra marathons and taking on different events and different challenges. But you just touched on that sort of 10 year hiatus where you were doing different things. I think you touched on that you were a personal trainer and you were also taking part in physique competitions. It's a different type of physical activity and a different type of health and fitness, if, if calling it that. How does your, your view of fitness compare now to what it did back then when you were competing? Another great question. I would say I've got a healthier view on it all now um I've said it before so I'm a very all or nothing person so like when I was into competing in those like bikini shows I, I was all in and luckily because I was a personal trainer fitness instructor at the time I could kind of train in off peak hours and everything and work all around that there are some people that do it with a full-time job that are normal office hours and I have no idea how they do it but mm. it takes such I don't even know what the, the right word for it is because I don't necessarily 
agree with it all like just the the world of it now um it served me while I did it and I loved it while I did it um but the you have to be so headstrong to be able to be on such low calories training super hard trying to keep your head straight in it all it's it takes a different a different I don't know a different approach but it's only now that I've stopped so before I did the competitions I'd had a turbulent relationship with my body and with food pretty much like my entire life um and struggled a lot like when I was at school and everything and I realized it's my last show I did I won (laughs) bowed out left um but I won my (laughs) last won my last show but I knew if I wanted to compete as a pro in like the next stage I needed to be even leaner and even bigger and potentially up against people going by other means to achieve those results that I didn't, that I didn't want to. And I knew in order to do that naturally, it was going to be at the sake of my mental health and the competing itself didn't cause any of those issues for me. I already had those struggles, but I knew that if I was going to continue in that world, it would have been at the detriment to my mental health. I'd spent so long building it to the, it still wasn't right then, but building it to where it was that I couldn't afford to to go down a slippery slope from there. So after doing those shows and dancing my entire life, I was like, my, up until this point, I must have been about, what year is it now? 2020, so it's five years ago. So I was 26 at the time. Wow, that was quick maths. Not. Um, my entire life had been based on what I looked like. And I was just tired of it. And so if I was going to be involved in anything, it needs to be something performance based. And I was like, if people are going to judge me on anything, it shouldn't be what I look like. Like I should be enough as I am without having to change that for other people. So I need to be, if I, if I feel the desire to be judged, (laughs) which apparently I like competition and I like that, it had to be for something that involved skill. It involved actual physical performance as opposed to physical appearance. Um, and so now my whole viewpoint has changed entirely and it's a much more like holistic approach. Like if I'm not looking after my mind, then I won't be able to perform well. If I'm not like doing the training I also won't be able to compete very well if I'm not fueling my body right I won't be able to do anything that I want to do and I won't even be able to think straight and so somehow in all of this since starting ultra running it's saved my relationship with my body it's saved my relationship with food and I'm in such a better place with all of that that sure we could probably say I like I'm a bit of an extremist (laughs) like ultra running is one extreme (laughs) of the running world and competing is one extreme of the bodybuilding side of things. And so I don't like to do things by halves, but ultra running has brought more life back into, into training for me. Hearing you talk about those competitions that you were involved in and just from friends and other people that I know that have been involved in them. Yes, it's physical activity and yes, it's, it, it, it takes a lot of dedication and focus but it doesn't seem to have that same endorphin payoff necessarily, maybe immediately, but the ultra running and the running in general has and other forms of fitness because yes, it takes a lot of training and dedication and mental capacity, but there is, you probably, I would say you would agree that there's nothing quite like being in nature and just running and being for you. It's, it's with Bonnie or whoever else or, but it's not quite the same, is it? There's, with running, there is a real t- t- almost tangible emotion of you never regret a workout. No, exactly. And it's this sense of like 
freedom. Like, sure, some days, I, I really struggled the other day when it almost felt like an instant switch to autumn. And I really struggled to get out the door because the temperature really dropped. It was so much darker. And I really felt it. I feel like the older I get, the more I struggle with the switch in the seasons. Um, but like, once you're out, if you can get yourself out of the door, there's just, there is nothing like it. Whereas you're going and doing those sessions, not necessarily because you want to, but because you have, if you're like switching back to the bodybuilding and competing there, like you're doing those sessions day in, day out, not necessarily because you want to, but because you have to. And then you have that guilt that comes in that, oh, if I miss that, then I won't, I won't look good on stage or, and all of that. And then you go and do the competition and like, unless you do really well you're just gonna feel really rubbish like stepping off stage like my first two shows I didn't place at all and I felt so good going there didn't place at all and bawled my eyes out and felt absolutely horrendous like it wasn't like oh yeah I've still worked really hard for this it was a okay well I wasn't what they wanted I obviously am not good enough I feel terrible whereas I go and run, I ran 100k last year, went and ran that. I did do well, not a podium finish, but I did, <laughs> I did do okay. But like, even, even doing that, I still had this sense of accomplishment finishing it. Like, wow, I've just spent 13 hours out running, which only a small percentage of the population would do. And I feel so exhilarated. I feel fantastic. Like, can we go again? Whereas it's a complete, completely like polar opposite feeling. Can you appreciate the time that you spent doing that? Or do you wish you could have bypassed it and got straight to this ultra running phase? I think I needed to do that to feel how great this is. Like part of me is like, oh, where would I be in the running world if I hadn't have taken those 10 years off? But I don't. I I still don't think it's it's the butterfly effect, isn't it? So like, I still don't think if I'd have carried on running, I might I might still not be here doing the ultras now. And so I'm grateful for what those experiences taught me, and I don't regret it. It served me for while I needed it. I always said I would do it up until the point where I didn't enjoy it anymore. Like there are some people that will just keep plowing because it becomes your identity. I became the, I was vegan at the time. I'm not anymore, but I was the vegan personal trainer that did bodybuilding competitions and that became my identity. And then I think some people will get trapped in. That's what I do. And like forego kind of how that might be impacting them or, and like that. And so I stayed doing it for as long as I enjoyed it and decided it didn't serve me anymore and so then moved on um but I don't, I don't regret it I, I learned a lot from it and I'm grateful for what I have now because that's led me to here what was the impact on your mental well-being of going to running and the running world do you know what I started like I said I started running again end of 2019 after a very very difficult 2019 um we were both working together elsewhere at the time and I would come into work and um like our managers would be like Charlotte you can't write this like surely you've got to write a book (laughs) book one day like how can this be getting worse and I'm like surprise um and that, that was an experience but I only started running like a little bit after that. So it was like December of that year. And then having something to focus on, it was really strange. So I started training for the ultra start of 2020. Probably I entered it in the February. So it was like literally weeks before the first lockdown happened. And I was living in a flat where there were me and a couple her cat, my dog, in a one one level two bedroom flat, 
so as you can imagine quite cramped and then her cat had kittens and so there was three adults a cat a dog four kittens all in this flat and I think if I hadn't have had that like outlet to be able to get outside it was the one thing that we were able to do wasn't it you you weren't allowed to do anything but get outside once a day and I think had I not have picked up running or been able to go and do that I'd have struggled a lot more during lockdown like I was very very grateful to have I don't know call it coincidence or you know the universe doing its thing whatever but it felt like weird timing that it all shifted into running and then that happened and I all of a sudden had this outlet that I'd not had for the last 10 years but it was happening all at the time that I needed it and so I was very grateful to have decided to do this crazy thing like right before like everything changed for us and as well as all of the things you've spoken about already another thing that would have had an impact on your life physically and mentally is you touched on it earlier is two heart surgeries and why did you have them what impact did you have tell us the story sure sometimes I even forget um because I'm very fortunate not to like struggle with any um heart problems anymore but it was something I was born with but didn't present itself until I was about 14 and um it was called a supraventricular tachycardia shortened to SVT good knowledge <laughs> quite conveniently um because that is a long word but um so it was my heart would palpitate really fast, really hard for up to like three hours at a time. And it started when I was 14 in a dance rehearsal. And I was like, well, what is going on? Like my chest is just doing weird things. And I tried to get it checked out of the hospital. They just didn't believe me because unless it was having an episode or happening whilst it was trying to be tested, my heart looked normal so it didn't matter if I had an ECG if I had an ultrasound all sorts I was bas- I was discharged and basically told I was making it up because it had gone back to its normal rhythm by the time it'd been able to be scanned and so I was 14 I remember being at school like I'd got taken to the hospital from school before um like if you hugged me if if it was happening and you hugged me like you'd feel you would feel my heart like beating you'd see like a pendant bouncing on my chest like it was so hard um, so it went undiagnosed for like another seven years oh. um, until I was at university studying a dance degree. And it was really starting to get in the way because if sometimes, luckily not too often, but sometimes it would have been palpitating for a really long time. It would, when it went back into its normal rhythm, it'd be this really like hard hit in my chest that had caused me to pass out a couple of times. Um, and it always made me feel really cold, like not enough like blood was getting around my body. It really like made me feel really fatigued. And so if you imagine going to the studio to dance for 12 hours a day, like if that's palpitating, that then starts to get in the way. And it was during my second year at uni, I was in the doctors for another reason. I have no idea what now, but I reached over for a magazine in the waiting room and it, it started going I was like, excuse me, I need an ECG like right now. This isn't what I'm here for, but this is the first time I've ever been in a doctor's where it's been happening. So I need you to tell me what is going on. Um, and yeah, that's when they literally like diagnosed it pretty much that day. Um, my heart was beating at 180 beats per minute, sat still doing absolutely nothing. Um, and my resting heart rate was like around 50 just under 50 so it was going crazy fast and if you think that would happen sometimes for over like three hours it's no wonder I was feeling pretty bad so I was given three options basically I mean four options really do one of them do nothing crack on just get on with like how you've been getting on and just let it run its course for the rest of my life um next was take medication every day for the rest of my life to prevent any more episodes happening I was 21 I did not want to be taking medication for the rest of my life um and so that wasn't an option for me the other option was 
carry medication every day for the rest of my life to, that I'd take if an episode happened to like take it back to normal. Again, it's not really something you want to implement at 21 years old if you don't have to. And the other option was to have surgery. Not, it's not, you know, open heart surgery. I do, I'm really gutted. I don't have like a gnarly scar to <laughs> prove anything. I got keyhole surgery. So it went in through my, in through my groin, up into my heart. Um, and they, <laughs> I find this really fascinating. It grosses some people out, but for the first part of it, I was completely awake. Oh, so, no. <laughs> so I, I have seen a live x-ray of my heart with wires in it. So they would send all the tubes like from my groin up into my heart. And then I saw this live x-ray of my heart beating like with these like wires and stuff in. Cause they had to, they had to have my heart working normally to try and trigger this dodgy rhythm that was happening. And so they're, you know, doing their thing. And I can feel my heart doing this crazy, crazy stuff inside my chest. And then they finally got it into the, the rhythm that they wanted um, and realized that that was the problem and so what had happened basically there was just an ex there was extra tissue in my heart that needed like burning away um that would stop the um like the current like looping around on itself and be able to like pass through and so mild sedation they crack on and and that was the first surgery and like the kind of rule is if you're fine for like three months after you can pretty much guarantee jobs are good and most people only need it the once i get keloid scars however so overgrowth of scar tissue and you know why not have another so i was in a dance rehearsal in my third year at uni i was dance captain for a dance company and stuff like thriving having the best time and then i'm in a rehearsal in the september so four months after and my heart started palpitating and I just sunk to the floor and cried my eyes out now my tutor he had had open heart surgery as a kid so much worse than me but he he understood um he got it and yeah and so then I went for my check my like post-op checkup must have been at six months or something and you can tell the doctor had his spiel ready to go like great it's all working out for you but I was like "Mm, curveball it's not um so I got put on the waiting list. We asked to wait until I'd finished my third year at uni because it was performing. We asked to wait until uh, after my after I'd graduated to have the second surgery just so I could continue my studies. Um, and so then I had the second op end of 2013. Wow, I graduated a while ago now. End of 2013. And fortunately, not, not struggled at all since. So very very grateful is is that obviously it's one thing to be watching your heart being poked around but is it scary the the months years before where it's actually happening because if you feel your heart going quickly and you're passing out it's quite scary like even over seven years i'm sure you heart's going again but it must be scary yeah for sure and especially because i didn't know what it was i wasn't really believed that anything was happening like i was a good kid like I was like a prefect. I was like, you know, I've always been a perfectionist, high performer, whatever you want to say, but I wouldn't make up stuff about my heart, you know? And so to not be believed was, was really hard when I knew that something was up. And then when it got diagnosed and the doctor was like, you know, you shouldn't really be like riding bikes on the road, like just in case you pass out, which, you know, common sense anyway, but then I shouldn't really have been driving, I guess. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with me Um, and shouldn't be having baths, like all these things. And then it's only then that once they tell you something's wrong, you shouldn't be doing these things that it kind of clicks. Like, "Mm, There's actually something really wrong with a vital organ. Um, And so it, it was scary when you didn't know there was something wrong. You didn't know what it was and nobody believed you. And so, yeah, it was it was a quite a weird time. Did it only flare up when you were dancing, doing exercise, or would it just be, like you said in the doctors, it was, you were reaching over for a magazine, so it would be any time? Any time. Sometimes when I was training, sometimes if I was just watching TV, I used to work in retail, sometimes on the shop floor, um, and not. it wasn't like it was 
something would happen once a day, once a week, multiple times a day. It was so sporadic that it didn't, there was no pattern to it. There was nothing that seemed to, to trigger it. There was, there was no sort of rhyme or reason. And so it would really, really catch me off guard and I'd be like, okay, so this is happening. Cool. Well, I think when you were saying about the universe coming together for the right reasons, it seems like it happening when you're in a doctor's waiting room. Seems like <laughs> the universe is telling you and the doctors that maybe there's something that needs to be sorted here. <laughs> so it, yeah. And touch wood since then, all of the activities, the running, it's all been, and it hasn't, it doesn't, it doesn't affect what you're doing now. No, I don't have to, I don't even have to declare it for anything. So not for any like insurance purposes, anything. I mean, I'm buying a house at the moment. I've had to put it on my life insurance, but <laughs> in like normal things like travel and things like that, there's nothing, nothing that it stops me doing now. So I'd love to move forward and talk to, talk to you about your partner in crime. Um, who I, I mentioned earlier, Bonnie, and people <laughs> yeah. might think Bonnie was a person, a friend. Bonnie is not, well, is a friend. Um, but Bonnie, who, if you follow you on your social media, you will see all of the time is your yeah. lovely little beagle dog who you basically go everywhere with. How long yeah. have you had Bonnie? And how is the experience of being able to share the trails, the roads, whatever with, with Bonnie? Oh, Bonnie's great. She's nearly four. She'll be four in um, November. Um, she also didn't have an easy start. So I wasn't her first owner. And we kind of like met each other at the right time, if you will. Um, and she's just amazing. She's probably got about 17 different personalities. So you don't know what, what you're waking up to and it keeps you on your toes. Um, but like, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I only started running with her. I was like, right, you have got a lot of energy. You've got a lot of energy. Um, she's a beagle, Jack Russell. And I think instead of getting half of each, I've got a whole of each and ended up with like double the energy. Um, I was like, there is just no tiring you out. <laughs> I'm going to have to start running again. And so I did. Um, and that was just around like our local area and stuff. And then me and my boyfriend started going to park run. You could take your dog to park run. And she loved it. That was our first like race experience, if you will. Like she wanted to make sure we were first female, first dog. Like she, she knew what the plan was and she was like, challenge accepted. We've got this. And up until last, like two weeks ago, my 5k PB had been with her attached to me at park run in 2020. He's dragging you along. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, she would, she'll see someone ahead of her cause she wants to lead the pack. So she's like, locked in on whoever's in front and she's like we're we're gonna beat them I'm like, mm. he he is very fast bonnie we're we're not getting like a, we're not getting a 15 minute 5k here. but she would try her hardest and then like since then we've bought all you know the proper canny cross gear so to anyone who doesn't know like canny cross is that like racing with your dog and stuff with them out in front um and so we've bought all the gear and everything and we go and do races together like there's a great um organization called maverick and they're a trail running um race organization so not strictly canny cross also not strictly not canny cross but you can enter with your dog um for an extra fee and just go and have a great old time on the trails together and they all love it and we've been doing it where like a few times now so bonnie gets there even if it's a new location she knows what a star arch looks like she knows it's weird she knows what we're there to do and we'll be at the start and they'll like count us down and then like the cowbells will start going. And if we're not at the front, she'll scream her head off because she can see me like starting to run. And she's like, you're all running without me. Like, where are you going? Um, and it's, it's a really like heart wrenching, like to the bones kind of squeal. And then she's like, we need to go, we need to go, we need to go. And yeah, as soon as we get there, she'll just go and try and pull me to just sit by the start, basically. Like, I know what we're here to do and we're going to do it now. And I'm like, mm. we've got like half an hour until the race starts, yeah. Bonnie. Like, come on. I mean, it's obviously very funny, but it must be a good source of motivation and also 
almost a partnership. It seems like a match made in heaven. But what's the longest distance that you've done with Bonnie? And do you find yourself talking to her when you're alone on the trails? Yeah, so we talk together all the time. I say we. She's probably even looking at me like, what are you saying? I talk to her quite a lot when I'm out there. Um, but the longest distance we've done together is 29 kilometres, um, which, you know, is good going for... She's like a small, medium dog, like a bit smaller. She's like between a Jack Russell and a Beagle, so just a little bit smaller. And they are both very um, energetic breeds. Yeah, yeah. And she she just knows exactly what she's there to do. But we have won a race together, which is really cute. The, the only race that I've won as well, um, it was a half marathon. And I wasn't supposed to race it. It was supposed to be just a fun run. But we both turned up and it was a maverick race last September in Salisbury. And um, we, bo- we were both like, come on, let's let's give it a good shot today. And it was weird. It's like we both turned up in the same mood. This poor guy, we sat on this guy's heels the entire way around. Afterwards, he told us that we got him a PB as well. So, you know, great all round. It was pouring it down with rain. It could have been the most miserable I fell over a couple of times and just found myself laughing to myself so hard because it was just hilarious. Like the trails were so slippery at this one point to where like I managed to fall down, but not, I didn't even like fall over. I was running and then I was sitting. I don't really know what happened in between. (laughs) And Bonnie's still attached to me like, why are we, why are we not moving? Um, And then we won. And like, that was a really like nice, nice thing to do together. And to be able to share it with, your dog who is effectively one of your best friends as well mm-hmm. and a source of motivation and probably comfort as well must be an incredible experience yeah I loved I loved that she was it, it was that race we did together um that we won and also that I just love that she loves running like if I'd gone let's do this as a thing to do together and she was like mm, no or like because she's a beagle like her nose is can be like take her off and so if if she didn't like the racing side of things and was always stopping and sniffing, that would be annoying. But I also wouldn't, we just wouldn't race together and it'd just be something I would do by myself. And then uh, we would just like run together casually. But I love that, like, she really loves racing. And all of my friends that come with us to races, they're like, you can clearly see, like, she loves it. I'm like, oh, I think she loves it more than I do. <laughs> There's a lot of positives about racing, ultra running, trail running, but also you're very honest about it not being a hundred percent all of the time and speaking about that on your social media and particularly uh, about the Hurtwood ultra uh, <laughs> last year, you've pulled a face um, and it being your, your first DNF and something that was mm-hmm. quite a difficult thing, but it must've also been a learning point as well. Yeah. So it was a DNF last December. And if I'm being honest, it should have been a DNS I just shouldn't have started it. So instead of a did not finish, it should have been a did not start. I shouldn't have started that race. It's one that I'd entered in 2020. And then because of COVID, it got like obviously postponed. And so I'd gone in for the 2021 entry. And I was really stressed at work. It was about a week before my partner was coming back after like an eight month deployment. So emotions were high um so between stress and those emotions and I hadn't trained a lot after having I just sound like a medical nightmare I'd had jaw surgery in the summer and so I I hadn't managed to get back into the groove of training and my heart wasn't fully in it and I I'm not one of these people where running is the best release for me if I'm following a plan and I'm stressed if I'm following a plan and I'm really, really stressed, then I then worry about the person I'm accountable to. Like, if I can't make a run, like, do they think I'm a bad client? And so then I, that's all me putting this on myself. And so that then, like, makes everything so much bigger and so much harder. And I just shouldn't have started the race. And I remember my coach at the time, she was coming to support it as well. And I was like, I'm just going to go and I'm going to have a bimble. Like, I'm just going to enjoy 50K, like, just out on the trails by myself. That's really hard to do when you're by yourself. Like, if you're there with friends, like, I've done, like, an easy, I say easy as in, like, pace, an easy 50K the previous year. 
with friends and we would it was just a big adventure out on the trails for the day and that was really nice but if you're out by yourself it's really hard to just you know chill while you're doing it and I started in 2k in my chest felt so tight like someone was sat on it and I was like what have I done like why am I here why am I so stubborn that I've told everyone I'm doing this that I've come to do it anyway when it's the worst thing that I could probably be doing right now um so obviously things like ultras they're they're a stress on your body as well so I'm 2k in going up this hill like what what have I done and I'm like no come on we've got this and then I get to like I don't know seven or eight k and I'm like bawling my eyes out up this hill like what am I doing at one point I stop and I crouch and I'm just crying so hard because it just felt so at this point I'd done a few ultras and so it just felt so physically hard to do and I was like I don't I don't understand and I got one of the photographers like are you okay and I was like yeah I'm fine whilst like streaming um and then the first aid station was at 11k and I remember getting into I'd been like messaging my coach whilst like walking up these hills and stuff and I was like I can't I was like Carla I can't do it she was like you can I'm on the way and I was like no I, I can't and I'm not, not someone who gives up I was like I can't do it and so at 11k at that aid station I called it and I was like I can't do another 39 kilometers like the 11 I've just done um and so this lovely volunteer girl gave me her dry robe to wear and like the medic team like wrapped me a full blanket and like a big fire blanket thing and I just I just sat there feeling really sore for myself drinking a cup of coffee and bawling my eyes out and then since then I've done some fantastic ultras this year and performed really well but in my head that's still my nemesis Mm. and so I've got to go back this year and smash it and you're gonna do that (laughs) Yeah, so I'm entered. So it's uh, the first weekend in December. I'm going to go back and like I'm in such a different place, like at work, at like just in my life generally. So much less stress in my life that I feel in a good place to to go and like show it that I'm the boss. And, and it, it's it's quite a brave thing and a good thing that you were also. You could have easily just uh, something for you, you'd not put it on social media, but you've amassed a following and you did put it on there because also it it's a learning point for other people that they've probably been through the same thing as well. And people listening to this that would have, doesn't matter whether it's a 5k that you stop 3k in or whether it's a 100k that you stop 50k in, you know, it happens to everyone. And it's, it's nice and refreshing to see people put that on their social medias and that's one feature of your social media you're very open about you know talking about the the positive side of racing and those difficult elements as well but also one thing that you posted quite recently about how you've changed Strava settings to think about safety and it's not something necessarily that a lot of people uh, might think of but it's something that's important to you and it might be important to other people. Yeah so on the side of things about like sharing these hard moments like I wouldn't want anyone to feel alone in making those decisions. And so I think for me to be able to show that to other people, it, even if it helps one part, like just one person in the world, if it helps one person in the world not feel alone when those things happen, I think we just have this like general fear of failure and what failure looks like. But what I've learned from that race is amazing like it's been such a learning experience and like it's not a failure and I'm I'm also not there to blame my DNF on on anyone else like I could have easily have like just gone oh it's because of x because of y blah, blah, blah. but it was just all these things happening in my life that just led to a poor race scenario so I wasn't about to blame anyone else or anything just because it could have made me look better um I think it's easy to do that but if I'm not honest on my platforms then like what am I really there for you know um but with Strava I always used to share everything I had an open profile I would you know do that thing where you you screenshot your run that you've just completed and you put it on your Instagram stories and you don't have your your home hidden like if you run from your front door and you're sharing your roots it's so easy for people to know where you live. And then it got to a point where I was just like, 
I've now got nearly 28,000 people have the potential that are following me, plus, you know, the people that will find me. There's the potential for that many people to know exactly where I live and the routes that I run. So I was like, I won't, I won't share that anymore. I'll just share like the, the performance stats bit, you know, like the distance and the time and that. And then you see that like the horrible news when, you know, people get followed on their runs and poor girls getting like kidnapped and this data being taken from, from these places so that people know where to find them. And it's terrifying. And I made a decision to hide. First, I reduced it so that the start and the end of my routes were hidden. And then I was just like, why does anybody need to see my routes at all? Unless I'm going to do like a really cool route that's in a beautiful location. No one needs to see me running around my village. No one. So I made a decision to hide my map completely. So all you see is on my feed and I've locked my profile. So it's friends only and people have to request to follow me now. Um, So all you see is like the time and the distance. For example, there's no um, geotagging, nothing. And I'm, it's such again weird timing i made a decision to remove my map and then the first run that i did after that after i changed that setting someone commented saying on a treadmill and i was like no i've just changed my map settings like no one needs to see where i'm running clicked onto their profile and they only followed one person and that one person was me from my area and i'm not from here like i moved here two years ago from my local area and in their in their bio it said i hate influencers and i'm taking crowns and they only followed me and they'd, they'd never commented on anything other than that one route that one run i'd posted that didn't have a map so i was like so you hate me <laughs> and you're stalking my runs to come and take crowns from me when I'm not going out segment bashing, I know some people use Strava for all that, but I'm not out there segments bashing. I'm just out to have a great time outside. And it was just such weird timing that that brought them out of the woodwork. And all of a sudden, just that one incident, I was just like, that has just verified my decision, like to not share any of my location. Like it's already paid dividends. That, that one, one single run, that's all it took for them to, identify themselves as someone that only follows me hates me <laughs> i don't know them and they're tracking all my runs like it was just scary and it is worrying because like you said that person influence don't like influencers and they're trying to compete with you and talk about running and stuff but it does then also make you think okay but in terms of wider safety you have to think about that and you shouldn't have to think about that but at the same time as you said earlier my route doesn't need to be on there unless I'm doing something really cool in a different country or a different part of the world where I feel comfortable sharing that route. My local route doesn't need to be shared. And it is worrying that, you know, obviously these are anomalies in the running community. Um, I'm, I'm sure you would say the same as me, that the running community is extremely supportive, open, competitive, but a welcoming community. And yeah. unfortunately there are anomalies like that in, in, um, in the community but it's refreshing and nice to see you sharing that on your social media so that other people that might not have thought about it as as I didn't and I, I was talking to my mum about it and she said oh yeah I'd never thought about that at all and you're spreading that information and and it's really important so um yeah, I found that really interesting more interesting things are on your social media as well so <laughs> I would implore people to go and have a look um and just before we get into the final couple of questions uh, you mentioned earlier we used to work with each other at a different organization go different ways and working here at outside and active and I walk into the office and I go to near my computer and you know we organize the national running show and a few other shows and so we have health and fitness based magazines floating around everywhere. And I look down and then I look at the front cover of women's running magazine and, Oh, I know Charlotte. <laughs> and immediately, you know, worlds cross again, but that experience of being on a front cover of a magazine, something that's very close to you, that's, that's, you know, a big part of your life. How did that come about? And what did it feel like to see that front cover? so surreal it still doesn't even feel real now and the issue came out in february um and so i remember at the time so i've got um i've got an agency who you know, source my 
social media work and everything and these opportunities for me. And I remember the message me going, um, Ring Contact with Women's Running, they'd like to have you on the cover and a six page spread. Don't know if you've heard of them. I was like, <laughs> don't know if I've heard of them. Yes, please sign me up. And I was so excited. And I almost didn't want to like even tell up my boyfriend or my parents. So I was like, what if it doesn't happen? Like, this is such a big opportunity. What if something like falls through and it doesn't happen? Um, and it did happen, obviously. But then it, we shot it last December. And um, and yeah, my agency were messaging me. They were like, yeah, so the photographer and hair and makeup, they're going to come to you. And I was like, stop. I've got <laughs> hair and makeup and I've got the photographer traveling to Stratford-upon-Avon to come and see me. Like, I normally, like, as you know, the talent, you you travel to the location yeah. to shoot or whatever. Um, so I was expecting to go somewhere for the shoot. And they're like, yeah, they're going to come to you. Like, they, like you go, you pick essentially a location um, that you like to run in, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're going to come to you. And so I, they were doing like my makeup in my kitchen. And I was like, what is what this? Is like, on? what is going on? Um, and then uh, that was a shoot in December. Then I had the phone call, like the interview and everything. And then the issue came out in february and i was like, oh my gosh like i went and bought a copy from tesco myself um and like also ordered it so i had a few copies and then it's just it was really strange to go into a supermarket and see see my face i did do a cheeky thing i went into wh smith's um and just put myself as the entire front oh entire well front you have road. to you have to take a couple of <laughs> copies magazines. to the checkout and show the person at the chat oh god look at this magazine look who's at the front <laughs> yeah so very surreal but still I, it's still a bit of a pinching moment like I'd always in my head it's like one of these like goals you have was to be like the cover of a magazine because I'd been in magazine been in like magazines before but never been the cover and I was like one day I'm gonna be a cover girl um and then it happened. I was like, yeah. What an amazing experience. And you get to yeah. talk about your story and inspire other people that will be reading that magazine as well. So no, massive congratulations on that. And I'm sure there'll Thank be you. more opportunities. And I'm going to take a quick bit of time to, to be selfish and take some advice from an ultra running women's magazine, women's running <laughs> magazine cover girl. Uh, Cause I'm running my first ultra marathon next week um, from Glasgow to Edinburgh, 56 miles. And it would be, it would be wrong of me to be speaking to you and not take a piece of advice for whether it be race day or when it gets tough and you hit that first or second or third wall. What's a piece of advice after your experience that you would pass on to me or anyone else listening that's either thinking about taking on an ultra marathon or has one planned? So I have one motto that uh, it's what got me through my 100k and my ultras since then. Um, and that is run what you can, walk what you need. So there's this, I think in like the wider world of running, this perception that if you're out on a run, you have to just run. But especially things like ultras, hiking up the hills, that'll like help you run better on the flats and the downhills. And I think if you set out from the offset, giving yourself permission to walk those bits that you need, whether that's to get in some fueling, whether it's to get up a hill, whether it's to get around someone, or if you're stuck behind someone, you know you can catch that up later. But I think if you wait until the point where you're pretty much dying to give yourself a chance to to walk a little bit, it's, it's already gone a bit too far. You can't really claw yourself back. And then you don't want to feel bad getting to that point where you've had to stop running and start walking because then you it allows room for feeling like you failed so start from the outset of run what you can and run you know hard run well when you're running but walk what you need and then you'll finish it and you won't i i don't think you'll feel that sense of failure because mm. you've accomplished what you set out to do having given yourself permission to walk those bits that you need to throughout and then you finish having achieved the thing you've done you've gone there to do I have noted that down. Thank you very much. <laughs> and just before I ask you the last question, mm -hmm. where can people go to find out more about Charlotte? So you'll find me mostly on Instagram at, at Charlotte Clark UK. Amazing. And the final, final question for you is, I gave you a piece of advice from Danny at the beginning of the podcast. And now is your opportunity to give a piece of advice. It can be about running. It can be about anything in life. 
your piece of wisdom to pass on to our next guest? Sure. So my piece of advice would be not to compare your runs to anyone else's. You might be doing the same race as someone, the same event as someone, but that doesn't mean your training should be the same with different people doing different things with lots of different things going on. So my easy 5k will look different to your easy 5k Dom. It will look different to someone else's easy 5k. Some people love a tempo run. Some people don't. And everyone's training is so different and with their doing what we're supposed to be doing to gear up for these things. If you're going to sit on, you know, Strava or something, comparing your 5K to someone else's, then the only thing you're harming is yourself. Follow your plan. Have faith in that getting you to where you need to get to. And other people get to theirs by their various different means, but don't compare yours to someone else's because you're both on completely different journeys. Charlotte, that's great. I look forward to passing that along to our next podcast guest. And we're wishing you the best of luck for going forward and especially Hurtwood Ultra in December. Thank you. Sure we're going to smash it. So Charlotte, thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been great. Thanks for having me. And that brings to the end the first episode of season six. Thank you very much for listening. And wow, just how interesting is it that Charlotte had that problem for so long and they couldn't diagnose it. And then all of a sudden she's in the waiting room at the doctors for something completely different and it goes off. I mean, how, how lucky and what a sign from the universe. It really was fantastic to catch up with Charlotte again. And if you want to learn more about Charlotte, her story and some of the amazing things that she's got coming up soon, one of which she's just announced, then you can head over to her Instagram, which is at Charlotte Clark UK. And don't forget to head over to our two episode sponsors today. Thank you so much to Threshold Trail Series, which you can check out at www.thresholdtrailseries.com and the amazing Contour Performance. You can head over to their Instagram at at Contour Performance. As always, if you think that you know someone who would enjoy this podcast just as much as you, then make sure to forward it on to them, recommend it to them so we can join this amazing community. If there's someone that you'd love to have as a guest on the podcast, then please do recommend to us. You can go over to our Instagram at at BeOutsideBeActive, send us a message and we'll do our best to make it happen. I've been your host, Dominic Brown, and thank you for listening. We hope to see you again when we're back for another amazing episode with an awesome guest next week. And until that time, enjoy the outdoors.